Welcome to the Saturday Cadence Podcast, your ultimate destination for all things college football. I am your host, Blake Biscardi, and our podcast is a must-listen for avid fans, casual enthusiasts, and anyone looking to immerse themselves in the thrilling world of college football. Join myself and David Wertheim as we guide you through the intricacies of college football, offering valuable insights, analysis, and captivating discussions while keeping you up to date with the latest news and recruiting developments. We go beyond the headlines, which is what separates our show from other college football outlets. Our podcast is not just about news and analysis, it's also about the people behind the game. That's right, it's about you, the fan. We bridge the gap between fan and fame. Join us and embrace the thrill, excitement, and strategic brilliance that define college football. Tune in, stay informed, and be a part of the conversation that shapes the sport we all love. I'm Blake Biscardi, and remember, the Saturday Cadence Podcast is the heartbeat of college football. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to the 51st episode of the Saturday Cadence podcast. Blake Biscardi with you for our recap episode of week seven, an incredible Saturday of college football headlined by the key games in the Pac-12. That's where we're going to start today. Oregon and Washington playing in Seattle, an outstanding battle between two top 10 programs, and they both deserve to be top 10 programs because they are. I don't think anything more or less of Oregon for losing that game. Washington proved that they are the real deal. Being at home was the edge in that game for them. Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix Jr., tip of the cap for your performance there on Saturday. So let's start with Washington and what we saw. They are now 6-0, and and let me tell you guys, Washington is legitimate. I know their defense has not been as strong, but when you have the firepower on offense that Washington has, you can win these tough matchups because you can never be counted out. And Oregon saw that. They gave Washington the ball back in the final minute and a half there after going for it on fourth down instead of punting. We can question Dan Lanning all we want. He wants to be aggressive. That was the style and the brand of his coaching that he wanted to bring into that matchup. And so you have to respect it. Whether or not you agree, that was the decision that was made. And when you're a team as good as Washington, you can make someone pay for a decision like that. And that's exactly what they did as the Huskies got that stop. So Michael Penix, I think this game, that last drive was his Heisman moment so far. I think he's the leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy. He was 22 of 37 for 302 yards four touchdowns, and that lone interception. I thought Washington's offense was great, and their defense stepped up when they needed to make the play. They were able to do that, and that's the sign of a good team. There are some programs out there like Georgia in the last couple of years, like the Big Ten teams this year in Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State that just have really good defenses. And then there's teams that are like Washington, where the offense is very good, but the defense is good enough and makes the plays at the right times. And that's still the sign of a good football team. Everyone just expresses it differently based on the talent and the rosters that they have. And on the other side for Oregon, Bo Nix was tremendous as well. I think he's also in the top three or four candidates for the Heisman Trophy because Oregon's entire season is ahead of them. Nix was 33 of 44 
for 337 yards and two touchdowns. Got some help from Bucky Irving on the ground. He had 22 carries for a buck 27 and the one score. But when you look at a team like Oregon, here's their remaining schedule. They have Washington State at home this weekend. Then they play at Utah. That's a tough matchup for the Ducks. Very physical game. That will be on both sides. Probably low scoring. Then they have Cal. They host USC, who we'll get to in a minute after getting housed by Notre Dame on Saturday night. And then Arizona State. And you have the Civil War against Oregon State, but that game is in Eugene. So for Oregon, their entire season is still in front of them. They only fell one spot in the AP poll, which I thought was correct, to ninth. And then Washington, on the other hand, let's see what's ahead for them because they now have the inside track in the Pac-12 to the college football playoff. So the Huskies host Arizona State and Stanford to close out October, and then they open November in a brutal four-game stretch for them to close the season. They go to USC. They come back home to host Utah. Then they go to Corvallis, which is a tricky place to play. UCLA will tell you that after Saturday's performance. And then they host Washington State in the Apple Cup, who is a tricky team. And Cameron Ward's a good quarterback. That game will likely be a shootout. So both of these two teams, Washington controls its own destiny. So does Oregon in terms of getting to the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas. And then anything can happen. This is my pick to see the rematch in the Pac-12 championship game. I thought since Washington was at home that that was the edge for them in this matchup, which is why I picked the Huskies to win the game. I know it became a push because the spread was at three and I took Washington and they won the game 36 to 33. So Washington would win the regular season game and then we would get that rematch in the Pac-12 championship game where I would give the edge to Oregon solely because it's difficult to beat a team twice. And we saw that these two are pretty much evenly matched up and on a neutral site, I might lean Oregon, especially after Washington had just beat them. It's exactly what I told you in the Big 12 between Texas and Oklahoma. My preseason article, I said Oklahoma was going to beat Texas in the regular season in Red River, and then Texas would win the conference by beating Oklahoma in the rematch. Now, I thought Texas would lose to, to Alabama, rather, and they ended up winning that game. So now, as it sets up, Texas can continue to win they win the Big 12 with one loss. They're likely in the college football playoff. Do you like retro apparel with vintage logos, or do you prefer more current? Either way, Homefield has you covered. They pride themselves on celebrating the history and tradition of colleges and universities across the nation, while also highlighting the present day. With over 150 schools to choose from, check out Homefield for all your apparel needs this season. Whether it's a t-shirt, hoodie, or loungewear, Homefield is the only place you should shop for your favorite college apparel. Use code CADENCE at checkout to receive 15% off your first order today. So a lot happening in the Pac-12. Oregon, Washington, clearly the two best teams. So now we'll talk about maybe the third best team, but we're not so sure anymore because USC went into South Bend on Saturday night and got absolutely run over by Notre Dame. This team played physical. They played fast. Their defense created three turnovers they picked off from just Caleb Williams itself. When you look at total turnovers, USC had five because they lost two fumbles there late, which we saw. Notre Dame held USC 
to 302 yards. But the storyline here that's going to be quiet is USC's defense actually held its own. I wasn't mad at how USC's defense played. I think the offense is actually what lost them the game. Caleb Williams didn't have a lot of time to throw the football. He didn't always make great decisions. Notre Dame was able to put him under duress. And Benjamin Morris, and my goodness, I think he has to be the top DB in the entire country after his performance against Marvin Harrison Jr. And then locking down the USC wide receivers, creating that turnover himself. Notre Dame only had 251 yards of offense. Granted, they had five turnovers, so they had five short fields. But outside of the two big plays, Notre, Notre Dame didn't do a ton offensively. So looking at a team like USC coming in undefeated, Notre Dame had two losses after a tough three-game stretch. They were back at home. Told you on the show last week, Notre Dame would get re-energized playing in front of a home crowd they know it's a rivalry game. They would be up for this. They would be ready. That was why I picked them with the points. Sam Hartman was efficient in the ballgame. He was 13 of 20 for 126 yards and two touchdowns. Didn't have to do a whole lot because Audric Estime had carried the ball 22 times for 95 yards and two scores. Again, short fields for Notre Dame for most of the evening outside of the two big plays. And then USC, Caleb Williams. I think, Archie Griffin, your record is going to be safe here with the Heisman Trophy as it stands right now, unless USC can find a way to run the table because Caleb Williams had a really, really difficult night. And I think his offensive line is just as much to blame as he is because he got sacked multiple times. He was under duress the whole night. He was hurried. There was a lot of pressure by the Notre Dame front for some bad decisions, which led to those 14 incompletions and turnovers. So 23 of 37 for Caleb Williams, 199 yards, one touchdown, and the three interceptions, which are the first time he's thrown three interceptions in his career. So we're going to stick with the Pac-12, seeing how this race is going to shape up because it's the deepest conference and the best conference in the country this year. You can't really argue that unless you look in the Big Ten East. But USC now lost to Notre Dame, gets that first loss, they have to host Utah next week, another physical team, which is USC struggles with those physical opponents for 60 minutes, and it was evident that they were gassed in that second half. Then they go to Cal, and then they have Washington and Oregon back-to-back, -back, home against Washington, on the road against Oregon, and then they come back to the Coliseum to host UCLA in the rivalry game there at the end of the season on November 18th. So... USC has to be careful because if the offensive line continues to play that poorly, the defense stepped up when it needed to. USC is in trouble to where they could lose two, three, maybe four games because Utah's extremely physical. Washington can throw the ball all over the yard, and they have a decent defense. And then Oregon is top 10 in offense and defense. So really tough going to Eugene. You think, all right, that's the other road game. They lose that one. That's already two losses. Now you're saying they're going to all of a sudden beat Utah, Washington, and UCLA, who has a solid defense? Lincoln Riley has got to figure something out for the Trojans or else they're going to be in trouble as we get into the thick of it in November because, like we said, the Pac-12 backloads their schedule, and now you're faced with seeing all these top matchups in the conference every week as it begins to sort itself out. The first dominoes have fallen there. I know USC lost to Notre Dame in a non-conference game, so it doesn't affect that race yet. But over here, Oregon picked up its first loss. UCLA has a conference loss. Oregon State has a conference loss. 
Washington remaining undefeated. Going to be very interesting as this race plays out. So elsewhere, another game that we told you to watch for, Louisville and Pitt. The Cardinals were favored by seven. I told you this was an emotional letdown spot. That's exactly what happened. I took Pitt in the points, and Pitt ends up winning the game by 17, 38-21. Another game we also told you was North Carolina. Drake May had a big evening as well, bringing himself higher and higher ever so slowly into the Heisman race. North Carolina is probably the quietest undefeated team in the country right now, and they're going to get ready to make some noise in the ACC because their schedule now, they play Virginia, Georgia Tech, Campbell, Duke. They go to Clemson November 18th. That's their toughest remaining game outside of hosting Duke. And then North Carolina State in the rivalry game. So very real possibility the Tar Heels finish with one loss, maybe even undefeated. Keep your eyes there on North Carolina. And then how about Missouri? This team could be the third or fourth best team in the SEC. They went into Kentucky and beat a solid Mark Stoops team by 17 points. I know they scored 18 there in the fourth quarter late, but they're in control for most of the ball game. They go to Georgia on November 4th. That's going to be a game to keep your eyes on there in the SEC East all of a sudden as it begins sorting itself out because Missouri can give Georgia a game. They gave them fits a couple of years ago. We'll see if they can replicate that this year. Now elsewhere around the country, Tennessee beating Texas A&M last night, really, really troublesome in College Station there for Jimbo Fisher. That was a game that they needed to win, and they did not again. The defense held its own, keeping Tennessee in check with only 20 points. The offense really, really struggled, and the matchup again continues to be a problem under Jimbo Fisher, only mustering up a total of 277 yards, 54 on the ground. Against the defense in Tennessee, that's really not that strong. And now we turn our attention to the Big Ten. We know that Georgia blew out Vanderbilt. Maybe by not as much as people thought, but Georgia can stay at number one for right now. Brock Bowers hurt in the ballgame. Alabama won a close game. So to the Big Ten, massive game on Saturday between Ohio State and Penn State in Columbus. So let's... Let's go through the Big Ten here. We're going to start with Michigan. 52-7. to They beat Indiana. We're at like 52 straight points to close out that game. Now, Jim Harbaugh's Wolverines. This is the best team that he's had since he's been there. And I'm going to say that also for James Franklin. Now, this is where it's going to rubber's going to meet the road here. Michigan is dominating their opponents. But they've not played any team higher than Rutgers, who is 58th in the S&P Plus polls. They've not really played a formidable offense or defense just yet, but Michigan is doing their job. They're dominating the competition. They have one of the top offenses in the country. J.J. McCarthy has been extremely efficient. He's in the Heisman race. Roman Wilson has been good at wide receiver. Michigan's a really good football team, but they've not played anybody yet, so we don't know for sure just how good they are compared to teams that have the same amount of talent where talent's equated. It's called a matchup game. We've not seen Michigan play a matchup game yet. We've seen Ohio State play a matchup game against Notre Dame on the road. Not getting enough credit for that win, by the way, because we saw Notre Dame hold the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, in check last night, only throwing for 199 yards and making 
him throw three interceptions. As you remember, Kyle McCord, zero turnovers in that matchup. The Buckeyes got a gritty win, 17-14. to They've played the best schedule out of those top three Big Ten teams, so we know the most about Ohio State. And as saying that, we also have the most question marks about Ohio State because the run game hasn't been super consistent. It was better. They found something in the gap schemes with Dallin Hayden against Purdue because Travion Henderson and Maya Williams both held out of precautionary. Chip Trainum got knocked out of the game, taking a hard hit, entering concussion protocol. Dallin Hayden not going to be redshirted this year. He came back onto the field and was outstanding for the Buckeyes. Kyle McCord, another efficient day. He had a he had four or five drops from his receivers. Very uncharacteristic. It was raining, wet ball, maybe. We'll see. That needs to get cleaned up for Penn State next week. It will be a defensive slugfest. The Ohio State defense, again, played outstanding, keeping Purdue in check, only allowing seven points. The Buckeyes defense continues to impress this year, but we'll have to put it to its second test of the season. Ah, third test, because Maryland was also a test, just not as big as Notre Dame or Penn State. But the Buckeyes, big test in front of them against the Nittany Lions this week. And then Penn State, playing Massachusetts in October. I'm going to judge you for it, just like we judge the SEC. Not really a fan of that scheduling, but this is what it is. Penn State's fresh coming into this game. Ohio State is not. We're going to find out the health of Denzel Burke as the week wears on. I'm sure we find that out on Sunday, what happens, or on Saturday, rather, whether or not he plays. It'll be game time in the availability report, as with the others. Emeka Egbuka, also a big name that could be out for the Buckeyes, but they have a lot of depth at wide receiver. Anyway, looking at Penn State, number one overall total defense now. This is their second shutout on the season. Nittany Lions played really well against a really bad Massachusetts team. Drew Aller, though, 16 of 23 for 162 yards and three touchdowns. Catron Allen, nine carries, 68 yards and a score. Nicholas Singleton, their other featured back, 15 carries, 79 yards and no touchdowns. Penn State going to want to look to run the football against Ohio State. Buckeyes need to be stout, but we're going to get more into that game later in the week on the show with David that will be to you guys midweek on Thursday. Guys, I'm telling you, so much is riding on this trio in the Big Ten East, and something that we don't all understand yet is this tiebreaker. Let me explain this to you if it comes to that in the Big Ten East. This is on TikTok and Twitter on my account at Blake Biscardi if you want to learn more about it. So Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, top three teams in the Big Ten. They're all in the same division in the Big Ten East, and they're going to play each other. We have the first matchup next week. So what if they all split and go one and one against each other? Who plays in Indianapolis? So it's going to come down to the third, or excuse me, the fifth tiebreaker in the conference, which is the combined record of your cross-division opponents. So Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State are all in the Big Ten East, but they play crossover games against teams in the Big Ten West. It would be the combined record of those teams. Iowa and Wisconsin had a huge bearing on that. That game, defense, 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 as usual. Iowa beats Wisconsin 15-6. to Iowa in the driver's seat in the West. So... That favors Penn State because Penn State plays Iowa and Iowa's record helps Penn State if they keep winning. Ohio State needed Wisconsin to win, but not the end of the world because 
Northwestern is a team, and so are Illinois, who are underperforming this year for the Nittany Lions. Minnesota, a common opponent between Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan does not play either Iowa or Wisconsin, so that game had no bearing for the Wolverines. But if it comes to a tiebreaker, Michigan actually is the team that gets the shorter end of the stick because they play Nebraska and they play Minnesota. So Michigan really needing some extra help here. Their other cross-division team is Purdue, which is sitting at 2-5 and five right now. Troublesome for Michigan if this gets to a tiebreaker. The advantage is going to come for Ohio State or Penn State, which is why the game is so important. Nittany Lion fans, keep your eye on Iowa. You need them to keep winning. Ohio State fans, you really need Wisconsin to start winning, and you need Minnesota to start winning, just to make sure that everything is good there. So a lot more to get to later in the week as we continue on. Breaking down everything, there's a huge slate of games this weekend. Give you some top matchups. Just to keep your eye on, Penn State, Ohio State, that'll be a three versus seven matchup. Noon kickoff, it's big noon. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt will be on the call from Columbus. Then Washington State goes to Oregon. Tennessee and Alabama play in Tuscaloosa. Texas goes to Houston, could be a tricky matchup there. Michigan, Michigan State, the rivalry game. Duke and Florida State, big matchup in the ACC. That game will be in Tallahassee at 7.30 on ABC Saturday night football. Then you got Utah, USC, desperate, desperate win needed for the Trojans. And then we will close that out with Washington hosting Arizona State. One and five are the Sun Devils. Can Washington bring it after an emotional win against Oregon, just games to watch there. Guys, thank you for listening to today's episode. We will see you later in the week. David and I will have a ton to get to as we preview all the big matchups we have. We're going to headline Ohio State and Penn State, the biggest game so far of the college football season. Stick with us, guys. Make sure you continue to like and follow the show wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. We are on all platforms Follow us on Instagram and X or Twitter at Saturday Cadence and on TikTok at Saturday Cadence Pod. If you would like to follow me personally, you can follow me on all platforms at Blake Biscardi. Guys, thank you for listening to today's show. Thank you for your continued support. And we will see you guys later this week. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And follow our coverage by tuning into our website, tsilverbulletin.com, and following us on social media at tsilverbulletin on Instagram and Twitter, as well as at Saturday Cadence on Twitter. If you follow those social outlets, you will stay up to date with the latest recruiting news, the latest around college football, and the latest just touch points where we can post clips from the show, and you guys can continue to digest content in any way that we can get it to you. Also, if you would share the show, we would greatly appreciate that as we continue to grow our audience. Again, thank you guys for listening.